Let's pray together. Lord, please speak in ways that we can hear you and teach us how we can be in you more fully and bring glory to your name. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I was getting ready for the sermon this week and it just struck me that Jesus prayed. It took four weeks for me to realize, hey, Jesus actually prayed. But isn't it amazing that the creator of the universe, the one through whom everything has a being, prayed to the Father. And he modeled this for us. He provided a way for us to have that kind of community. But he actually took time away to commune with, with, with the Father. He did this. And we are invited to it too. I take tremendous comfort in this as we mark the uh, year anniversary of a global pandemic being announced. And, uh, you know, over the last year, just looking back and just thinking, this has been overwhelming and painful and difficult. There's been so much grief and struggle. And this week I just thought, isn't it amazing that Jesus prayed for his church? Isn't it amazing that even in this, Jesus is Lord and that he knew we were going to be in this and he's guiding us through it. And that he prayed for us at this time to uh, be his body here, you know, in our lives. It's wonderful. Today we're in our fourth lesson, our fourth part of the sermon series, How to Pray Like Jesus. We looked at the things that form Jesus' prayer life. We looked at how he used solitude. Last week, what we did is we looked like how, how did Jesus pray in the moment, extemporaneously, without preparation, as our calling. And today, we're going to look at how Jesus prayed for the church, for his disciples. So, if Jesus prayed for the church and for his disciples in the moment, we are called to do that too. We have a weird way of saying this. We call it the church militant. It's not very peace-loving, is it? We call the church militant because we are on the ground now and we are called to bear witness to the light in a world that is suffering from darkness. So we are on the ground. We are here with a mission. So the question is, how can we be praying for the church militant, for our brothers and sisters alive today in their witness and their ministry? We have to look at how Jesus did it. And I love how Jesus began. He began by recognizing that the disciples were given to him by the Father. They were a gift. That they were called out of the world, with all of its brokenness, to receive his truth. And he begins with thankfulness. I had a a conversation with a fellow PK uh, this week. A PK is 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 a priest kid or a pastor's kid. And I'm one of them. And we are messed up, okay? The church has messed us up. <laughs> and we are just, you know, shared experience of like, you know, our, 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 both of our fathers were ministers and, and, you know, they didn't live the most, well, mine didn't live the most balanced life at times. You know, going on vacation, you get that phone call, and it's like, ugh, right? <laughs> have to delay a day or two. Very frustrating for somebody who just wants to go camping. But PKs and and people, all of us, we see the brokenness in the church. 
And yet Jesus begins with thankfulness for the church for receiving these disciples who, let's face it, they didn't always get it. Right? They were formed and shaped by the world. Who's the greatest among us? And Jesus brings a kid out and says, you know, this, this one is the greatest. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be like a child. And we don't lord over authority like the world does. We serve. They didn't always get it. Nor do we. The church, however, is a gift. And so when we begin to pray for the church, it's really important not to get distracted by what so-and-so said to me that was so insensitive this week or by the messed up way we do communion now or how imperfect we are. Because when we start focusing on the ugliness and the brokenness, we neglect to pray. Instead, we become cynical and jaded and we just criticize. Jesus began with thankfulness. We must begin with thankfulness as well. Because warts and all, we are God's precious, precious people. Um, in our tradition as Anglicans, this is really laid out in a big way, when, when a priest is getting ordained and using the prayer book, there's a charge. And it's terrifying. If you want to read it, it's on page uh, 648 to 650 in, in the prayer book. It's terrifying. Daryl, wait till I'm done preaching before you read it, okay? It just, I know, I know. But there, the, the person who is about to be ordained is reminded that the church is a treasure, it is the flock of Jesus that was purchased by his blood. It is described as the bride of Christ and the very body of Christ. Remember this when it gets hard. Remember that this is a mystery. The church is a mystery that displays the steadfast love of God that will not give up on us. One of the reasons why we got to begin with thankfulness as well is that criticism never changes people for the better. Maybe loving criticism might, but how often is it loving? Love is what changes people. So we begin with thankfulness that we might remember to love the church and pray what Jesus prayed for the church. We're going to look at that in a minute, but, but we begin by just giving thanks to God for this wonderful gift that we have in our sisters, in our brothers. Of course the church has fallen. It came out of the world. It's going to reflect some of the things of the world. And guess what? That's why it needs prayer. <laughs> we need prayer. So what did Jesus pray after giving thanks? Um, he recognizes that they are the ones that have received the truth. And they are the ones that bring glory to Jesus. So what do we pray for the church? Lord, let us receive the truth more fully to live it out and bring glory to your name. Jesus prays that they would be one in his name. And he says, I'm praying this now so that they would be filled with joy. Ted Spencer was one person that said we are called to joy. All the time he talked about joy. That's our calling to fulfill that. And joy is more than happiness. It's that hopeful expectation that good things are coming because God is on the move. 
So receive the truth, bring glory to his name, be filled with joy, and be protected by the world. And in the Gospel of John, the world is anything that opposes the will of God, that opposes Jesus. So Jesus prays for our protection. We are to pray for the protection. I got a new prayer book from uh, um, the Anglican Church in North America. They published it a couple of years ago. And uh, one of the things I love about it is that it's, it has a prayer for those who shape public opinion, for the media, that, that you know, it would be accurate and would be good and uplifting. But we are, called to be, that we are called to pray for the church that we would be protected from the world and made holy, sanctified. That doesn't mean holier than thou. That means that we are set aside for a purpose. We have a mission. So these are the prayers we can pray for the church every single day. I think I was 18 years old when I had a Baptist friend tell me, do you know that Jesus prayed for you? I thought, no. (laughs) And they opened up to John 17 and they read this prayer. And I just sat there in stunned silence that Jesus prayed for you. Now we believe that Jesus right now is praying for the church, right? Because of the ascension, he's before the throne of God and he's interceding for us. But here's a prayer he actually prayed for you. It's pretty amazing. And Jesus' chief prayer is for unity. Unity in him. And this is a calling to hold our, our holiness and unity together. That we actually have this purpose set aside to bring glory to the Father is the basis for our unity. And it's to witness to the truth of Jesus that the world may know that Jesus is King. I want to read this. This is from Tom Wright's commentary that I just found really helpful. He says, This unity isn't just to be a formal arrangement. It isn't just an outward thing. It is based on and must mirror nothing less than the unity between the Father and the Son. Just as the Father is in the Son and the Son in the Father, so we too are to live within that unity. That can only mean that we ourselves are to be united, small u. <laughs> and in that case, we might, in, in case we might miss the point, the result of this will be that the world will see and know that this kind of human community united across traditional barriers of race, custom, gender, or class, can be overcome by the action of the Creator God so that the world may believe. We are called to unity. So how do we pray for one another? How do we pray for the future church? We pray that they would be one in Jesus, that the world may know uh, the truth of the witness. I had a friend who went to a a big Christian conference many years ago now. And he was a young Christian at the time and he thought that nothing could beat that. That was the best. Jesus was there. It was amazing. Until months after the conference, he went to the prison with his church to visit with inmates. And he said that conference was wonderful. But Jesus was actually in the prison. I met him there. Jesus prays that we will be with him where he is. For years, I used to think that was, we'll go to heaven when we die. 
But the more I walk in this world with Jesus, I, the more I am aware that he is where the hurting is. So Jesus' prayer for the future church was that we would be in places of darkness that we might bring his light, that he, we would be in places of pain that we could bring his healing, the places of despair that we could bring his hope. That's what Jesus is praying here, that we would be where he needs us to be. I was given a card for my birthday on a day I needed it. Because <laughs> when, I, when I hear that prayer that we'll be where Jesus is calling us to be, there's a secret like little nagging thing. Is like, you're supposed to go to Iran. Right? You're supposed to go someplace really far and dangerous. But I got this card and it said uh, something really encouraging I'd like to share with you. It's written by uh, someone named Roy Lesson and I, I don't know who that is. The card says, just think. You're here, not by chance, but by God's choosing. His hand formed you and made you the person you are. He compares you to no one else. You are one of a kind. You lack nothing that his grace can't give you. He has allowed you to be here at this time in history to fulfill his special purpose for this generation. So to be where God has called us to be doesn't mean we have to travel across the, the globe unless he calls us to that. But for the most of us, it's to be his people where we have been planted. It's pretty encouraging to think that he's called you to be his church during COVID. To be praying for the church. To be serving the world in the ways that we're able. It's pretty amazing and humbling When we are praying for the church today and for the church in the future, we could sum it up with the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, reign in us, reign through us, extend your kingdom, be glorified. And that is our prayer, that Jesus would be glorified in his church and through his church that our community um, would reflect the character of Jesus and that through our transformation from worldliness to godliness, the people would see the power of God. So in our prayers for the church, let us remember the gift that it is. Let us pray for unity and joy, that good things are coming. Let's pray for protection from all that opposes God and pray that we will be where, God, where Jesus has called us to be that we might reflect his character to the world around us. Amen.